So the way to get ahead in business is to have the mindset to do so. It takes consistency and determination to get there. So today we're talking to David Roden, who is 100% consistent and determined. You're listening to Fluid, the digital marketing podcast that shares current and practical marketing advice. Marketing doesn't stagnate. It's always changing. It's always flowing. It's always fluid. Each week, we interview business owners and entrepreneurs to learn how they're utilizing online tools to grow their business. And again, today we're speaking with entrepreneur David Roden. David is the author of the book, Drop the Baggage from Suicidal Obesity to a Life of Health and Happiness. David and I met a few years back at a yep. gym. I was doing squats wrong and uh, you went to I gave you, me. I gave you some constructive criticism. <laughs> you, you saw that I was going to hurt myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that and my back's not all out of whack. Yep. All right, so uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and um, about your book, kind of where you came from and how you got here today. Yeah, so for me, um, I'm 28 now, and my real transition into entrepreneurship and personal business owning started around 22. Um, At the time, I was a junior senior at Central Michigan, um, going to be a biomedical science degree, pre-med, all this kind of route irony of it all i was 410 pounds at the time so you're gonna be a Mm. you want to be a doctor be in the medical field and you're morbidly obese is about as hypocritical as it gets which is how it's just it's it's irony yeah um but at that time period i decided medicine just wasn't for me Mm. um even before even before my big weight loss transformation um i just i looked at the medical field and i just saw just so much time in it and not a lot of freedom. And so mm-hmm. I just, it wasn't the path I wanted to go down. Um, got into business afterwards, met some incredible people that, that taught me success tips and motivation on how to take more personal accountability. I first put that into practice within my weight loss. Mm-hmm. Over a three-year time frame, I lost 160 pounds. Wow. Um, had two excess skin removal Uh-oh. surgeries. Now I'm in a, I just did a bodybuilding show in November and now we're here today. And so a few months ago I published my first book, um, Drop the Baggage. Mm-hmm. And now in the process of building out different accountability companies to help people learn the principles just for personal accountability. So yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's a sequence. That's awesome. <laughs> that's such an incredible story that to come from that journey. Uh, now you let's talk a little bit about your book. Now we had a conversation about how that built your credibility. Yes. So kind of tell me how publishing a book has helped you in your business. Yes. So it's fascinating book publishing. It was, it's a, it's, it's like anything. When you do something, you have a perceived understanding of what it's going to, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then there's a reality. Yeah. And there's always a little bit of a difference. Yeah. And first and foremost, you get into today, it is so much easier to publish a book than any time in history. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used Amazon, just yeah, Amazon and all that process where it's it's free. Like yeah. literally you build it out. You could you could publish a book for less than a hundred and fifty bucks mm. and just time and effort. It's like thirty years ago that that didn't exist. Yeah, the barriers are way down now. Yeah. You can really do anything. And even on the the, the graphic design work, the, all this stuff and process, it's so fascinating how simple the process is today to really mm. publish a book. So that was what that brought to me was when I published the book, it took about a year. Mm. Um, when I finished it, I was like, that's it. 
I'm like, this this wasn't this didn't seem like it was some big task compared yeah. to like me losing like the 150 plus pounds. That seemed so much more aggressive than that. But the reality was, which was fascinating to me, was the fact that even with even with the weight loss itself, publishing the book raised my credibility significantly. Yeah. Where I had people reaching out for me for podcasts, I had radio stations, all this stuff now reaching out to me because I published a book. But mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, my story's still the same. This is so weird how the book publishing made such a difference, but it really mm-hmm. does. That, that credibility jump of the, the reality of people seeing you is so fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was my biggest takeaway from from the publishing of the book. Yeah. So you can just self-publish a book, and you didn't feel you had any like. Um, it wasn't perceived differently because it was self-published versus, you know, uh, traditional publishing. Did you any notice a difference there? Um, so rule of thumb for me, cause I have some friends like that are in like different, um, companies that help people self-publish. Mm-hmm. And I've had friends that have used the traditional systems for publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest angle of it all self-publish on the back end. Regardless, most people don't know the difference between self-publishing and publishing. They just see right. publishing. So the the ninety five percent of people that you talk to have zero idea the difference. So you right. say publishing, that's all they know. When you get into that five percent, um, having some type of system in place is definitely helpful because mm-hmm. it's just like um, building a podcast. Yeah. You, you build out a podcast and you're like, oh, it's done. No, it just started. <laughs> yeah. Now it's the marketing. Now it's the quality control. Now it's the consistency that actually scales it into mm. a, an effective podcast. Yeah, Same it takes time book. to build. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone thinks that the day you publish a book is like, oh, you're going to have a million copies sold. And like, <laughs> that is not how it works at all. You can't all. <laughs> really put anything out there and, and just expect it to exactly. win. <laughs> exactly. Unless you use that kind of system. Say say you happen to find that um that partnership with a publisher who has mm. the the skills, the back end, the knowledge to be able to scale it, mm. they can be helpful there. Um, but it depends on who you are and what you're trying to do. Like me, mm. I wanted control. Mm. I didn't want to use a someone else as a publisher to then decide what can be in my book, what can't be in my book, who owns the rights to it. It's like there, there are all those nuances that people don't know. Mm. Self-publishing, you have control and you have the ultimate success or failure of that book, when you get into the realm of, of publishing through a publisher, there's a lot more nuances that mm. people don't know. Like, oh, you can't say that. What do you mean you can't say that? Well, that's my story. I'm sorry. We're not going to publish this with that statement in right. there. And so you get into that realm. But when you self-publish, you got to know, I mean, yeah, I have 40,000 some followers on Instagram. Even with that being a base, that is still nothing compared to depending on what you're trying to do, the scaling of marketing that book to the masses. Mm. There's still so much more at play mm. than just publishing the book. <laughs> now, they say once you have your first thousand fans, things are a lot easier. Would yes. you say out of, you said 40, over 40,000 mm-hmm. Instagram followers, did you find your thousand loyal fans in there? Um, yes and no, because Instagram, social media in general right now is so just like I I love the way you explain your podcast in the sense of it's fluid. Mm -hmm. Social media marketing moves so fast. Mm -hmm. Um, Instagram is not what it was two years ago. Yeah, it's just not like it's so crazy to think that 
I, I mean, I was just looking at my numbers. Like two mm. years ago, I had 18,000 followers. And the amount of auth- like uh, organic impressions and viewership two years ago compared mm. to now, and I have 44,000 followers now, Yeah, I had more organic impressions two years ago. Than yeah. I do now with a third, or with two thirds more following. Yeah, fascinating how that works. But that's Instagram trying to force you to pay for their ad spend. They're it's, forcing. They're tweaking the yeah. algorithm. It's it's a supply and demand type mm-hmm. thing. So Instagram a couple of years ago it had lots of demand and there wasn't enough supply. So mm-hmm. it, organic just flourishes. But now it's hit that tipping point where there's so much supply and the demand is diminishing. So yep. now it, they have to artificially put it up by making people pay. And um, are there any social networks that you're seeing a uh, supply and demand issue with versus like good supply and demand that's lots of organic reach or bearing you have to pay? Like what what are your yes. thoughts on that? So uh, it's... <sighs> I'm not trying to be Gary Vee here, but I'm going to say it. TikTok is wild. It is. It, it really is, is bonkers. <laughs> so I've been on TikTok for three months now. My fifth video with 50 followers did 130,000 views in two days. Wow. I just, <laughs> That's insane. That is, that is impossible on Instagram, on Facebook. You can't do yeah. that. No. It just, it just doesn't not. work. Are you able to retain that audience or redirect them? Like, how much of that is just fleeting viral? They mm-hmm. you hundred thousand, and then you're like, but did anyone follow? Did exactly. anyone convert? That is that is hundred percent. Because like when you see different viral videos, I've, I'm so intrigued by it. So it's like after mm-hmm. I see someone that has a hundred thousand, a million views, two million views, I then go to their profile. How many actual followers do they have? How right. what's their what's their average engagement per post? Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm up to six thousand followers on, on TikTok in just a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fascinating part with TikTok as well is because you can't message the individual without being mutually friends. Mm-hmm. All the people see a before and after picture, like a video, inspirational video that I put up on my TikTok, mm-hmm. and the only way they can reach out to me is either comment. Or they go to my Instagram and DM me directly through Instagram. So mm-hmm. I've had some great, um, I don't know what, what term you want to use, of like spillover is the term mm-hmm. I use, um, where someone follows you on TikTok and then goes follows you on YouTube, goes follows you on, on Instagram. Okay. The spillover I've had from TikTok has been fascinating. I probably have gone out of the 6,000 followers now I have on TikTok, 50 60 of them have DM me and messaged me on Instagram mm-hmm. because they can't on TikTok. Yeah. Which is fascinating. So yeah. they really the the authenticity of it is really good. Yeah. Um like the cross platform engagement or whatever term you want to use. That's very interesting. I was yeah. always kind of curious what that conversion rate is and like 60 DMs out of 6,000 doesn't seem like a lot, but that's like that's very massive. Mean, that's very meaningful interaction. Exactly. That's not like 60 people that like to post. That's 60 people communicating with you and exactly. DMing you. That's basically like 60 loyal fans. Mm-hmm. That's actually really impressive spillover. <laughs> Whatever term. I don't, know, I don't know what the digital marketing term would be. I would say uh, maybe conversion. I don't know. Like that's not really the right Cross-platform engagement <laughs> yeah so you're, you're you're leveraging tiktok to build your other social yeah, profiles exactly and they're all it, like that's the whole thing is it's like going off of just what you said earlier when it comes to um digital marketing is fluid and, and marketing in general is fluid mm-hmm. it's what is marketing 
marketing is pr- pushing a intentional value on a platform where there are eyes and ears. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so 50 years ago, it was newspaper. And then 30 years ago, it was radio. You're paying and then for it got, attention. You're paying for attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, and that's where the game is. And, and what's crazy now is just like anything, it's happening faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. Mm-hmm. It's like, for example, ClickFunnels. Um, I have a good friend who's huge into Facebook ads and marketing and um, just creating sales funnels. Mm-hmm. And he's already seeing that Instagram is getting sick of ClickFunnels. Yeah. They're just getting sick of it because like just people making very poor um, like ad like uh, sales plans. Like, yeah. Buying your like you can tell a ClickFunnel when you see it. Oh, like, is, you go to a ClickFunnel and you're like, Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm buying some Asian product that's, that's three cents and they're selling it for 40 and like, and you could see it and you get it. And Facebook is trying to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And so now like one of my good friends, he's just like, yeah, if you have a Facebook funnel directly or a click funnels, Facebook system, correct. Like directly Facebook is trying to push you out of the mix. Mm. And so it's like, it's always constantly changing and the speed is happening even faster. Yeah. It's like to think that TikTok, for example, is like, gone up how many hundreds of millions of viewer uh, of users in a few months yeah it's just and and who knows it's gonna last because yeah. that, that's that's the that's it, the millennial it's gonna crash real quick <laughs> like it, it could crash at any time it could, it could be, be tomorrow it could be years from now yeah and sending instagram with facebook with mm-hmm. all of them it's just it, but that's marketing yes yeah. or what i can't remember who is the term but someone made i think it may have been gary v um someone made the statement of marketers ruin everything <laughs> it is, it's just the truth it's like it's yeah we, we you see where the eyes are and so i can make money off of this and so ads 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 before you know it like oh, all right we can't do podcasts anymore because there's too many ads now right. something else could come out <laughs> like that's just the game yeah i wonder at what point tiktok's gonna implement an app well do they They started to okay yeah they started they started adding ads um a few months ago okay um first it was just when you open the app Mm-hmm. And now it's sequentially through the the feed, mm-hmm. um, just a quick little five second, ten second. But you can slide right past it, yeah. which, which is I like. Yeah, like the, it's not like YouTube where they force you a five, four, three, two, one. Like, <laughs> You're just waiting there. Bonkers. There we go. Yeah, now we're <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's just the, that's just the game. Mm-hmm. That's just the game, and it's gonna always be there. And um, but yeah, I just find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. You uh, with the the ads then, um, they, are they trying to like blend in with yep. their environment or are they yeah like, they haven't blended. This in. is an ad. <laughs> it says right in the lower left corner. It says sponsor, and that's it. Yeah. Um. Really, really quiet, which is which is good, and mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because you just you just don't know the tactics of like short term. It's like social media, like anything. This is the whole thing of like when it comes to digital marketing and like the whole avenue right now is like, okay owned content like owned um owned client versus versus non-owned client meaning yeah. any social media followership is not owned at mm-hmm. the end of the day instagram facebook twitter snapchat at any point in time any of those platforms for whatever reason they want can shut you down and your viewership is gone yeah so that's unknown. It's terrifying. Yeah. And so like that's that's the game you have to play between own and that's when like you get into okay, what are some tactics I can do that if TikTok shuts down, I still can reach that audience that that enjoyed me. 
Same mm-hmm. thing with YouTube, same thing with all of them. So it's like figuring out different strategies to get cell phone numbers, to get emails, to get different stuff that mm-hmm. you own that no matter what platform comes and goes, you are still tricklingly owned owning certain amount of that followership. Yeah. That's where if you're thinking long term, you mm-hmm. have to be able to figure out it, it's not fun. Yeah. Like I sit there, <laughs> figuring out ways to get emails and phone numbers. I'm just like, this is not what I want to do, but it's a reality. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's kind of a twofold or two parts to it. You want to collect that contact data so you mm-hmm. can pull your audience. Um, but also I think it's just important to build like brand, build personal brand. And that way, even if one platform drops, like Gary V says, you know, people like, They'll follow him on Instagram and then they'll go to YouTube and look up Gary Vee. They'll look mm-hmm. him up on different areas because they know his brand. So if a new platform rises, they'll just search for him and then he's not dependent on one platform. Exactly. So being omnipresent on all of these pa- platforms, building 100%. brand, and then collecting email is also like another aspect to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, um, don't put all your eggs in one basket because if that yeah. if, if that one basket disappears, you're done. Yeah, it's like all the different Insta model girls that just like <laughs> just that's, gone that's like it. boom. If if Instagram disappeared, they're done. That's their paycheck gone. Yeah, and it's then like people complain about the loss of organic reach, but it's like you're not really paying for that. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a gift to you. <laughs> it's exactly. not at a, a you know expectation that you have to have that. Yeah, it's like this <laughs> this girl on TikTok right now who's just viral. She, her name's like Charlie something Mandamelo Mando something Charlie. Right. She's like 15. And she does these little dance videos, and she's up to. She exploded like twenty three million followers. And just did, sickening. Didn't she start in like July of last year? Yeah, or something? it was. A, it was, a, and it was a complete joke. And, yeah. and, but that's the game. That's where social media is a piece of the puzzle. That's why I talk about so much is social media influence. Social media itself is a tool, mm-hmm. but it's not a life. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to know because if you like. I know a decent amount of influencers mm-hmm. and it's like most of them are in shambles. Yeah. Like, cause like they, they live and die by their, by their social media presence. Mm-hmm. But as a person, they have no value set. They have no confidence in who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well then what does that prove? <laughs> yeah. Especially if you become famous for really nothing, when you don't have a skill set or like a reason to be mm-hmm. famous, if you just got lucky, you look good or whatever yep. happens, then yeah, you know, I imagine there's probably some sort of identity crisis at that point, like why what value am I adding? <laughs> exactly. And then it's the it's the the it's the true dopamine release of like well, when I do this, I get more likes. And if yeah. I get more likes, it makes me feel good. Yeah. And it's like, that is a dangerous game to play. Well, hasn't Instagram been playing around with taking away likes? Yes. And that's actually fascinating because mine, I, I, I got to keep mine, but my roommate, Tom, actually lost his. And it was oh, a fascinating wow. thing. We're looking at each other's, like, his likes went away, but mine didn't because they're, like, beta testing it. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to be, I hope they do. It's, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, yeah. I, I like the fact that, because I'm a, at, at heart, like you go to my book, I'm mm-hmm. all about understanding health, wealth, love, and happiness. Mm-hmm. And a happiness issue is people that give this false dopamine stigma of likes and comments, that it mm-hmm. actually means something. Right. But it doesn't. Like, yeah. It really doesn't. A lot of it is, I mean, there's, it's kind of weird because you've got the fact that you get likes because something is a more popular 
but also there's just reach is a massive part of it. You mm-hmm. could have something that's way better than someone else's, but they just had more reach. Yep. And so they're going to get more likes. Yep. And it's just, it's trivial. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's a very, it, it's, it's knowing that it depends on why you're playing the game. So like going to just social media marketing in general, it's like, why are you playing this game? What's mm-hmm. the intent behind it? Are you there in the, knowing the difference between total reach and like followings and actual substance of financial gain and, and depending on what you're trying to do. Cause it's like, there's plenty of people that have a million followers that don't make a dollar mm-hmm. or the, or they get paid for little, Hey, uh, follow campaigns and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But in the, in the scheme of things, there's people that have 5,000 followers on Instagram that make millions because, yeah. cause they know their conversions are better and they, and they know how to monetize what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so following is a piece of the puzzle, but it still is not the whole thing. Yeah. Cause it's your, it's still your value set. If, if it's just because you have a great jawline and mm-hmm. look good half naked, it's a whole different set than mm-hmm. creating value that people will pay for, for engaging with it. And it's hard to even tell like what kind of audience you're appealing to. If you, if you're known for just being an attractive person, like Mm -hmm. if you're trying to monetize that, who would you even sell that to versus someone that's like, ah, I post pictures of fixing computers and it fault. People follow me. Like there's kind of niching yourself down into, into that value. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's that whole game of, hyper-focused niche or broad. Mm. And I'm a firm component of start hyper-focused and reach, broaden your reach as you scale, but Mm -hmm. don't be a small fish in a big old pond. Yeah, It's like like for me in in the brand I'm building, it's not about weight loss. Mm -hmm. There's about 100,000 of those on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) It's like body and mental transformations. Like I will, Mm -hmm. like, I will help you transform your life, not just lose some pounds, not just gain a healthy habit. I want to help you completely transform your life physically, mentally, spiritually, your relationships, how mm. you look at your community, how you look at money, all of it, not just I'm a weight loss guy. Mm. I could do that, it just but you're just now a, a small fish in a big old pond. Yeah, there's a lot of... A lot of content out there for that. Exactly. (laughs) Now you compete with Weight Watchers. Now you're competing with this. It's like, Mm -hmm. so you got when you're when you're creating a niche, especially with social media, it's like, look at hyper focused niches that aren't being met. What are what's some of your advice for defining that niche? Who's your ideal client? Who's your ideal follower? Mm -hmm. Um, You you start from that perspective, and it really changes how you see things Mm because it's like, okay, what type of person would ultimately see my content as the best thing they can see Mm -hmm. and it's like someone who's overweight looks at my content and it's cool but they may some of it may sound too intense so it's like Mm -hmm. um so for example you're sitting there and it's you get into i'm not just trying to find people that need to lose weight i want to find people that have huge energy for massive change Mm -hmm. there's a whole different dynamic in that Mm-hmm. Um, so if, when you're trying to find your niche, you got to ask yourself, w- someone that's looking for you, what, what do they need? Mm-hmm. And the more, and that's always the, the, the double-edged sword. Cause it's like, it's so much easier to start hyper-focused and mm-hmm. broaden out than it is to start broad and focus yourself down. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that's, that's always been the tactic I've used is figuring out what your perfect 
And it, it depends on what your brand is. Are, mm. are you are you in a place where you're a you're selling product versus selling a service versus just trying to create social clout? There's a whole different yeah. dynamic involved um, in that. But if say you're a product, like you're selling a product, all right, what does that product like? What does the the, the ideal client or service person buying that product need to hear mm-hmm. to really hyper focus it down? Than just say it's like, oh, this is a weight loss product. Oh, there's about a thousand of those go- ads that go across your page. Right. What can you say that's gonna really target someone that's going to actually push the button that so I want like to buy this? Their pain point, basically. Exactly. Going yes. a little bit deeper than, <clears throat> oh, I don't like the way I look. Exactly. Like, um, so for me, I find it a little. I'm kind of more broad, and I'm trying to find where I want to niche down but my personal problem with that is I just I like variety mm-hmm. I want to just because I'm a person I have many different interests and like zeroing in on an interest is it's challenging because it's like say weddings that are fun to do I like doing weddings but I don't want to double down on weddings yeah. I want to do music videos I want to do business videos I want to travel videos like it's hard to... but what's funny is you just did it mm-hmm you not you not see how you could how you could target that. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to be the main man for anything needed. Mm-hmm. Where like now your your focus niche is, I can do it all. Like you 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 pivot the you pivot you can you can. Pivot I don't feel things. like that's a, a niche though. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, because because like the whole thing is you you can pivot it down to I'm a man of variety. Mm-hmm. I love variety. That's why I love doing all this. And right. so I'm the variety man. Mm-hmm. And like you can you can tweak that to make mm-hmm. it niched by itself like but then i'm like a jack of all trades master of none true but i always sit there and it's like especially when it comes to content creation is there really a mastering per se like when you look at some some of the best content creators you could put them in any space Mm -hmm. like someone who's incredible at weddings you could put them in a corporate setting and they would still do fantastic yeah you put them in these content creation i think I mean, there's certain areas like when you get into music videos, it's a whole different vibe compared to yeah. different things. But I don't know. Um, I just look at so one of my one of my good friends. He is incredible at transitions. Mm-hmm. Some of the most wild transitions I've ever seen. Right. And there's only a specific target niche for that. Yeah. Um, Travel films. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's actually what it does. And uh, and it's so funny how. Gosh, uh, there is that always that game of understanding luck too, where mm. it's like you happen to be the right travel film guy in the right place, the right time to build the clout. Like th- th- that yeah. is a reality. <laughs> a lot of it comes down to just right time, right place. For example, a couple months into being a self-employed videographer, I was working on doing some dance videos for a dance school in Lansing. And the director of the dance school was directing a music video, and he liked my work, and so he flew me out to Mexico to shoot a music video. Okay. Uh, I was like, "How did that happen? How did it was like two months in? I'm like, oh, I'm being shipped internationally to do music videos. What? On my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, Instagram clout. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't get much clout from it, but it was a <laughs> great experience. No, exactly, and and that's where it's like, I think it's a. Um, it's a double-edged sword, especially when you get into like actual success in general. Mm-hmm. The 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 harder you work, the luckier you get. But there's still luck involved. Like, yeah, it, you sit here and any any person that it's like Charlie on on TikTok. 
Mm-hmm. Is she a good dancer? Yeah, she's a good dancer. I like the fact that she doesn't also over less clothes herself. Yeah. Like a lot of people on TikTok, which is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does it for value and she's good at it. Mm-hmm. Are there are there are there a thousand other good dancers on on TikTok? Yes. Mm-hmm. She just happened to be the one that did it. Now she had a skill set that fit the bill too. Mm-hmm. Like this is the whole thing is like just because you got lucky, unskilled people rarely get lucky. Like, yeah, that's not a thing. It's like a combination <laughs> of skill and luck. Exactly, basically. exactly. You put so in the you, grind, you put in the hustle, you have the talent, and then you just have to have a little dash of luck. It may take luck. thirty years, and it may yeah. take thirty years for your big break. But that's but that's the difference is acknowledging luck, but not accepting it to be the reason why you win or don't. Mm-hmm. That's because you can't be this. Well, it's all on you and blah, 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 blah. Because that just, that's just crap. That's just and, not and true. It's all exponential when it comes mm-hmm. to growth online. It's like you're you're going to be nowhere until you're suddenly somewhere and then you, exactly. you're off to the races. Yeah, but then at the same time, you also can't use that as like a, oh, well, I'm just not lucky and so I'm not even going to try. It's like the, the, that's there's no point in playing the game either. Like that's, that's your fault just as much as the person that gets lucky mm-hmm. is the same – pessimistic person that goes well i'm gonna try because i'm never lucky Mm. okay come on that's (laughs) like that doesn't happen either it's like there's still that base value of balance between skill hard work effort and a stardust of luck (laughs) (laughs) i remember we had a conversation a while back and uh you're you kind of talked about the i am language Mm -hmm. and instead of saying i am just not lucky uh, or I am not a morning person, like you can change that and say, I choose not to be a morning person yep. because of X, Y, and Z. So that's, I think, some very useful advice. If yeah. if any people listening out there don't think they can do something, try changing your I am language. Exactly. Because you sit there and it's like, I mean, in, in the scheme of things, for someone is at, like, I'm going to be honest, my caliber of, of knowledge I'm, I'm capable of, of helping others with my results in life of losing 195 pounds, doing a bodybuilding show, mm-hmm. publishing a book, the amount of true reach I have is nothing compared to where it's going to be in the next five to ten years. Mm-hmm. I can just I just know that. Why? Because I know the value I, I can give, and it's just a matter of time until that happens. Mm-hmm. But I've been at this for seven years. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm no Jake Paul, Logan Paul yet. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's going to take. Do you I really want to be a Jake Logan? Just clout-wise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I respect him. I, honestly, I he do. He had the business sense to capitalize on his audience. That's what I'm... Come back to that conversation of, like, you could... If you make... If you convert your audience into money, you can. But if you don't know how... But he was mm-hmm. just one of those people that he had a, a break with Vine... And then he knew how to transfer that audience. He had depth of vision of it. And then build a brand and build a business. And that's the whole thing. With Logan, so like Logan Paul especially, I think this this is just my personal opinion. I think he's a lot smarter than what people think he is. I, I would agree. I think he doesn't care what people think about him a little too too dangerously mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's, he, it's like the flat earth thing. Yeah. You know he did that pure for clout. He has different podcasts and different things where he's like, he, he where he makes the statement of, it's funny that you call me stupid, but you're the one liking and sharing my video knowing it's going to make me a hundred grand. <laughs> like that, that's what I find so funny is yeah. like, if you really understood how truly intelligent he was at knowing people's 
knowing people how t- people tick, yeah. you wouldn't follow it or you wouldn't like it, you mm-hmm. wouldn't share it. But because you do, you understand that you're you may you may despise the man, mm-hmm. but you just shared that video which helped him make more money. Just so you're aware. It's it's <laughs> interesting. Like I took a psychology class and it talked about how anger is the most viral emotion. Mm-hmm. So sadness, people don't want to spread that. Like sadness are the least viral um, emotion. And then happiness is just under anger. But if you make someone upset, they're going to share that. And so that's kind of like why why so many things with drama, like the Kardashians, they built their fame on drama. They saw all sorts of that. (laughs) And and it's playing that happy medium. Like for anyone trying to build a brand, it's like realities and and expectations and and playing that line. Mm -hmm. It's like... Do I put up a, a fair share of before and after videos, all this kind of stuff, because it's inspirational, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of substance to it. So it's like playing that game of, um, like, what were the, they use it in an Instagram term, it's like called your unicorn post. Yeah. And it's like you have certain unicorn posts that when you post them, they go viral. Mm-hmm. But the issue is you can't post your unicorn post every single time before, because then it gets annoying and, and, overzealous like if i put up a before and after picture in a before and after video every single time eventually there's no content there's no there's no real substance to it Mm -hmm. eventually we're gonna get bored but you can't deny the fact that what that does is it gets me viral every single time Mm -hmm. so it's like going back and forth so for example like getting someone somebody angry to post something there's nothing wrong with that just don't do it every time (laughs) right and i think that's why it becomes super important for brands and small businesses to understand their values and their audience Mm -hmm. because it's more powerful if you really want to make an impact um if you have a certain value with your brand that you're willing to stand by that is controversial Mm -hmm. then standing by is really going to help you because it's going to if that's your audience it's going to alienate and weed out people that you don't want to do business with and it's going to strengthen your relationships and with the customers that you do want because once they see oh wow they spoke out about this well i'm sharing that and then all the people that didn't like you are going to share oh can't believe this business is supporting this and you're like well thank you you got us more branding and awareness exactly (laughs) and it's it's so dangerous to to everyone's so sick of everyone that's a yes man yeah just that's oh yeah we're just gonna love it playing it safe is like one of the worst things you Mm -hmm. can do it just just (laughs) makes you just fall away it's like um so i'm starting to build a relationship with a guy named carnivore md on instagram he's a doctor who believes in the all meat diet mm. and it's fascinating yeah it's fat, but he, i mean he's got he's got his science behind him and he's owning it and right now he's going viral why because it is so darn like controversial yeah. and polar it's it's and the it's, opposite it's, of what everyone else is preaching <laughs> oh he was just on the uh the the doctor's show just getting reamed Dreamed. Oh. And it was so funny because, like, I'm sitting here through my biomedical background, my knowledge base. Do I agree with everything he says? No. But mm-hmm. then you sit here and these doc, the, the doctors on the doctors, mm-hmm. and they're just yelling at the guy like he's a six year old. And mm-hmm. half the knowledge, half the information they're saying is not completely true. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny, but it's getting him caught right now. Yeah. <laughs> now, now he can sell his books. And so, <laughs> but that's the whole thing is it's like, I agree. Because, like, I will. I haven't really done it yet. I really mm. need to, to be honest, because I've always been the the likability person. Yeah. Um, but saying stuff like, hey, there's a lot of things to be happy about in your life. Obesity isn't one of them. I'm sorry. Mm. 
there is a body shaming for obesity. I'm just just be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing good about being 150 plus pounds overweight. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, I've experienced that life. That there's plenty of things to love yourself on. That ain't one of them. I'm it's sorry. A, it doesn't have to be a part of your identity. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so it's like now, th- there's plenty of things you need to, you need to love yourself for. If you're born without legs, like a buddy of mine, Nick, like you love that because that's how mm-hmm. you're born. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Fat is not one of them. And so mm-hmm. being able to have those triggering conversations that some people are going to hate, mm-hmm. but that's just the way it is. And, and so you can stand by that and that's going to get you more engagement. Yeah. And more. It's going to get you friction on both levels. Yeah. But as long as you can accept it yeah. and deal with the friction, it's going to help your, your social media cloud. That's for yeah. sure. You definitely have to stand by the things that you believe in and are comfortable being harassed about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's like, you don't want to, go with public opinion yep. and be like, oh, well, I believe in this because that's what 90% of the people believe in. And then if it switches and then people come after you and then you're like, well, I need... Then you just turn into a politician. No one <laughs> yeah. <politicians. laughs> then you're just lying for public opinion and that's no good place to be. Not a good place. <laughs> now, you get reamed. Um, now, I want to also ask you about Instagram verification. Now you kind of yes. understood the process for that. Can you tell me how that works? Yeah. So actually, it wasn't me directly. It was actually through a buddy of mine, Ryan. Um, <laughs> he it's, it's he's he's actually in an interesting situation right now when it comes to Facebook and Instagram because he did it too good. Mm. Um, and how so? So last time I haven't talked to him in a little bit about it, but he actually had his social media taken down by Facebook, and oh. he was verified in the whole shebang because. He spent a year trying back and forth, back and forth to get himself verified on Instagram and Facebook. Like, just, does this work? No. Mm-hmm. Because he had a million followers. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, what do I have to do? This. And it, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to find out, like, as he was going through the process, I mean, it was just about getting certain publications through certain groups and you have to have a certain amount of them and have a YouTube, just these different nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, social, like the amount of uh, accredited po- uh, uh, articles, um, having a YouTube, having a personal email. There's just a couple of things that you just don't think about. You just, mm-hmm. you just think that verification comes from, oh, well, I have a million followers. That's not how it works. And so he actually figured out on how many publications you should have before Facebook will accept you. And he started really figuring it out. And he's, mm-hmm. he's a social media marketer. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he sold it to hundreds of people. And all of them oh. got verified at the same time. And all of a sudden, Instagram and Facebook was like, whoa, why do we have this huge spike in verification? Oh, and they wow. found out it was him. Uh-huh. And since he was making money, it was this whole fiasco. And then he's oh, been wow. in this battle ever since to get his social media back because they didn't like the fact that he f- figured out their game. Wow. <laughs> that's that's insane. Yeah. So he still doesn't have it back up and running? I'll be honest. I think he just started new ones, but I'm not sure. Um, huh. I haven't talked to Ryan in a few weeks. Like, it happened a few weeks ago. and. I haven't talked to him probably like two months. Does this process still work or did they change the system? I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't really found out if uh, the system still works. I, I can just tell you from at least understanding verification, it has less to do with followers and it has more to do with outside verification of who you are as an individual. So do you have um, publications from, Forbes and ABC and Amazon, all these different areas outside mm-hmm. of your Instagram or Facebook. Um, do you have a actual business email? These are the types of things that they're yeah. looking for. It's not, well, I have 250,000 followers. Why am I not getting verified? Mm-hmm. It's a lot more nuanced than that. 
Gotcha. Um, whether they've changed the number and all that kind of stuff, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest thing that, yeah, it's just knowing that verification doesn't have a lot to do with followers and actual content. It has to do with the back end <laughs> of everything. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and what social media platforms do you use and why do you use them? Like, what are ones that you focus on? So the way – I mean – I think you just should be on literally everything. I love the the Gary V approach, which is um, you have your keynotes, you have your big speeches, you have your podcasts, and that's your your big meat and potatoes content, and you trickle down that content to all the other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is so important to treat social media like like stocks, mm-hmm. where buy low, sell high, and the more established the social media, the harder it is to break into a large following. Mm-hmm. Just because whoever the bases are, when you go on Instagram, the first thing you're gonna see is you're gonna you're gonna see the rock, the rock. You're gonna mm-hmm. see these names. He's and everywhere. You, yeah, and you're, <laughs> and you're not gonna fight him early on against that platform. Mm-hmm. So that's when you have to go to secondary platforms, TikTok and and different ones that are coming out that you can build your brand on, mm-hmm. but you don't know if they're gonna disappear in three years or in a year, in six months. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's being able to then trickle that content down, get them across platform with each other that you can base it on. So basically for me, um, my base is gonna, actually I'm, ha- I'm readjusting this right now because of that situation. My base mm-hmm. is gonna be YouTube, um, large scale videos on YouTube, using podcast system um, kind of as my base, and then Facebook, Instagram. I've never been a Twitter guy, but everyone tells us I should be. So I'm probably going to I never I, got into it either. I don't get it, but everyone talks about it. It's, it's effective. I, I feel uh, like it's, I, I always consider it like one of the dying ones. I know, like, me too. But, it's, uh, but they say it works. And so, and again, what does it hurt you just to post? Like yeah, it's, it's not going to hurt suppose. you. Um, just and getting in the habit of it's it. It's just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and just getting in the habit of just posting the same. You can do the same thing. And I'll, like, you just look at any Gary Vee stuff. You look at the mm-hmm. rock stuff. It's all the same stuff on all the, all the platforms, but you're just getting your base across. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, cause the whole point is your TikToks, your, your lower ones, the competition is different. Mm-hmm. So for example, right now with TikTok, TikTok is in a zoo right now. Mm-hmm. They're in a very unique position because up until about three to four months ago, it was all original content people. Mm-hmm. It was just average people from across the world. Now you got Dwayne Johnson getting on there. You have um, the Kardashians getting on there. You have all these already clout people getting on there. And everything's a whirlpool right now when it mm-hmm. comes to the For You page and all this kind of stuff. And all the old people, all the old school people that have been on the platform for two years and not like mm-hmm. all whiny because their algorithms oh. change well it's like the competition's different yeah and so that's the game you have to play and that's where the the lower less used platforms have the ability to get you moving higher faster it's like mm. how long it took me to get six thousand followers on instagram before it's six thousand followers on tiktok it was like it was four months three months for tiktok and it took me what two years on instagram because mm. the competition was different mm-hmm and so, but then you can leverage that in other platforms. Um, so for me, yeah, it's like YouTube, then Facebook, Instagram, then it'll be like your TikToks and any other secondaries off of there. Um, but that base is so, it's it's like where the competition is, is just like anything else. It's marketing. It's right. like who, who, who you, you're competing against a lot less skilled individuals on different lower end platforms. You just don't know if they're going to be around. Yeah. It's like penny stocks versus 
big stocks. Got to have a few blue chips in there. Got to have a few blue chips. Because yeah. <laughs> you know Facebook, as much as everyone's frustrated with Instagram, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. As much as people are frustrated with Facebook and all this kind of stuff, it's not going anywhere. Mm. But TikTok, at any point in time, could just disappear like Vine did. And yeah. it's gone. Twitter bought Vine. Yeah, was, they weren't making money. Quite something gone. when just Vine just disappeared overnight. Yeah, and it all because Twitter bought Vine. Twitter was not making the money they expected. They couldn't. They couldn't keep up the maintenance of Vine, and it disappeared. Well, the, uh, from what I understand, they uh, the influencers, the top performing they people, left. they wanted some better like ad splits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Twitter was like, no, we're not doing that. And so they're like, well, we're just going to leave. And then they died. Yep. <laughs> and so, and that's just the platform. And, and so like going back to it, it's under, so like from a marketing perspective, because one thing that's nice about followers is you within a certain realm own it. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously there's still a level of you don't own it because Instagram owns it. Yeah. But you can continually post back to that audience within Realm and not have to spend money, mm-hmm. which is nice. A Facebook ad, every single time you want to reach that audience, you got to shell out some money. Yeah. And there, which is nice because you can target it, which is not so nice that, guess what? The only retaining inform- the only retaining money cash flow you're going to get is when you put out more money. Yeah. So they have their own benefit and, and restrictions on it. It's, so- it's nice for the quick... A reach of a large people, a large targeted people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other platforms like YouTube, it's just more of an investment that you have to build up. Yes. Speaking of YouTube, are you just getting started on I'm it? just getting started. Oh, okay. This is, this is the whole thing. It's so funny because I should have been on YouTube a year and two years ago. Yeah. Because everyone's telling me do large scale content. Do, I just didn't do it. I don't mm-hmm. we're, No one's perfect. <laughs> what, what, what made you finally get into that? Um, just because I enjoy, the more and more I do it, the more and more I enjoy large scale content, long duration content, because mm-hmm. you just can't get the substance out in a 15 second TikTok. Now it, it has its place, but where you're going to actually get people to actually make some change to help support their life, it has to be duration for mm-hmm. my area of what my need is. Um, so that's where I'm in the YouTube game. Now, mm-hmm. obviously if you're a marketer and you don't need that, Mm-hmm. then YouTube's pretty relevant other than they have a pretty cool ad system. I didn't know. <laughs> Do you know that YouTube's ad system? That you don't actually pay for um, the ad spend if it's under 15, I think it's 15 seconds? Yeah, you have to, they have to watch a certain portion yeah, of it. which is fascinating. It, which so like, is a really good deal. Yeah, it's a really good deal. I mean, they're actually engaged in your in your ad before the, you have to pay for it. Or it's they're like, watching it on their TV and it's too hard to skip. Yeah, it's not <laughs> Facebook where it's like, oh, well, it's like if their eyes touch it, they may hate it. But you're paying. <laughs> <laughs> it's an impression. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I really got to get into the YouTube advertising space because not, there's that aspect to it. And then there's also the fact that you can target based on search query. Yep. Um, so you could just target people if they're looking up for something. So for me, as a wedding video person, if they're looking up wedding video production in Grand Rapids and then they go watch the Kardashians or something and mm-hmm. then my little wedding video shows up. Exactly. <laughs> and if they want to watch it, if that captures their attention, that's when I pay. It's like Tony Robbins, man. I get hammered with Tony Robbins ads. I watch Tony <laughs> Robbins all the time. So boom, everything on YouTube, Tony Robbins ads every time. Yeah, I went and visited this one guy's website because I listened to his podcast and he had mentioned something. So I directly typed it into a URL just 
to see it and then i left and now i'm getting it on all my social media <laughs> oh my gosh the one i will admit though the one that's scary that everyone believes in i just i don't know how they do it i don't know if it, i don't think it's gonna be legal but they're still doing it is when you talk about something mm-hmm. and you get the ad yeah we all know siri's always listening we all yeah. know google's always listening but it is terrifying to think that you talk about like hey i love a new bike and i'm probably gonna get bike ads in 15 minutes and it's gonna be ridiculous <laughs> but that's a reality i, I always that's it. it's, it's <laughs> everyone knows it. everyone's where... sitting here listening to this right now going i have that happen too <laughs> real. i don't know if they got caught i don't think they got caught yet but it's gonna happen they're gonna like yeah. a- apple and all they're gonna get caught for always listening look listening for cues don't they say in their terms and agreement or like post somewhere that they don't do that so if they are doing it when they said they're not that that would be some big troubling waters well it's interesting so here's the actual marketing thing for anyone on the depth of vision of getting into uh owning people's um just data so one of my good friends, Phil, his fiance is actually lives in Grand Rapids. She's for um, she's at one of the law firms here, and she's getting into the game of data control and data mm-hmm. selling of data and all this kind of stuff. And what Europe's doing compared to what California just what just build out, which is basically, it's looking like no one. It's gonna be a really weird thing because mm-hmm. we're in a, we're in a day and age where this has never happened before. So yeah. where's the ethical morality and where things are gonna lie yeah. within law? Um, but selling people's information in Europe is a really, really, it's a no, no, you can't mm-hmm. do it at all. It has to be, it has to be brought in by your company. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, say you're a, you're a Facebook ad guy and you, um, like I uh, Luke with invigorate. One of the things they do is they create ad campaigns to, to target and get information of people who want new roofs for their mm-hmm. house. And so he gets that ad spend. He'll make a roofing ad campaign to get some information that anyone's looking to get a new roof for their house. And then he sells that to a roofing company. Mm. That may be illegal here soon because you're mm. selling people's information to another group. Yeah. So it's a very weird huh. position um, that actually one of my good friends, is, his fiance, is dealing with. And like, where yeah. is the law going to sit and who, like, all that kind of stuff. That's a very interesting selling of, of people's data is going to be a very interesting situation to be over the next year maybe there's some sort of uh checkbox for <laughs> agreeing exactly. it's like, like cookies cookies now now before they just people just took your cookies now it's you have to click the i accept take yeah. my cookies which is annoying i just hate it going to brutal. websites and just being like ah, i don't want to say yes but, but like, i'm gonna say yes <laughs> yeah I'm just like ah whatever i don't care i don't like being aware of this but <laughs> it's like the apple uh south park episode why can't we get them to read <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's a very interesting space when mm-hmm. it comes to digital information and law. And it moves and like, so fast. Yeah, well, here's the thing. The government is so slow and has always been slow to make regulations. Yep. And this technology and the way the world is moving is way too fast for mm-hmm. regulation to keep up, yep. which is an opportunity and a scare. Yep. <laughs> it's, like, it's like CBD. So I have a buddy of mine who owns a CBD company where it's like most CBDs out there are vegetable oil. They're yeah. not even real CBD. Yeah. But since there's no regulation, there's no standard in place, no one knows. <laughs> I know a, a guy who's trying to run ads for a CBD company, and he was running into a lot of issues yep. with Facebook just shutting down anything. Like, they tried all sorts of different, like, workarounds. Basically can't mention it at all in their ad. Hemp oil. <laughs> yeah. Hemp oil. Get just some hemp oil. <laughs> uh, we're just about out of time. So, uh 
I'm gonna, we could talk for hours. I can do this. Like, dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Dangerous. Like if I, if I don't start to close this down, I'm going to, I just keep talking, <laughs> but let's, uh, let's talk about chat flows real quick. Cause I know you introduced me to many chat mm-hmm. and, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about your perspective and how you look at, um, chat bots. And for those listening that don't understand what they are, they're an automated, uh, system where you pre-program a chat and based on what they could say or interact with you. And that way yes. you can interact with people. Categorize them yeah. and be able to do that. And yep. I ran it for my uh, wedding ad. I tried out, instead of having them go to my landing page, I create a wedding ad where they'd see the video and there's a message me button. Mm-hmm. They hit the message and they could instantly ask, how much is it? Are you available? Are you this? So I had like all those common questions uh automated yep and then if they were still interested they'd get an email and that would go into my system and then i could follow up with them yep. from there what's uh what's been your experience with it um i think for me it's like the front end to do it is taxing but once it's done it's done mm-hmm. and i think when it comes to like now they're getting a text message ones which is fascinating mm-hmm. um i think that's about to, that's going to be interesting when mm-hmm. people start really getting into these text message ad like boxes. I know, like Yes Theory just got into it. Oh, you watch um, Yes Theory? Yeah, I love Yes Theory. No, it's it's crazy, and so like it's going to be interesting when these spams start getting into text message. It, yeah. It's it's controlled spam, but it's yeah. it's effective because it's like when when someone asks me on an Instagram post, David, how do you lose weight? I I got There's there's a dozen open front questions that mm. I will ask everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, well, let's just systemize this. There and anything that, what is it? Um, it's the 80-20 rule. Anything you say 80% of the time shouldn't take up more than 20% of your time. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is when there's consistent questions being asked, you should create a system in place to make your time more effective. That's mm-hmm. what these chatbots come so, so well onto is like, the first question someone's going to ask you when they want to know if uh, you do a wedding video, what's your price? What's your mm-hmm. like? And it's like to see there and sit there and have to say that to every single person. Yeah. It's a waste of your time. It's yeah. Like, this is my number. Okay, perfect. Chat bot it out. Yeah. And it's like, and, and it gets people to, you don't have to deal with the 80% of questions that someone's going to ask. So it should only take up 20% of your time because mm-hmm. there's such continuous questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so chat bots are so effective for at least categorizing and getting the first level of information sets, you know where you're dealing with. Because mm-hmm. it is, as you scale, it's a scalability nightmare yeah. to think that if I had to ask the same six questions to every single person that asked me, David, how do I lose weight? I need motivation. Mm-hmm. Okay, if they say motivation, now I have a whole sequence in place. Okay, now I know where they're at. Mm-hmm. And it's like to sit here and spend that time over the long term doing that, it's just a nightmare. What would you say to people who think that's, inauthentic or kind of scared to lose that personal touch and that's the game it's like and i think everything is cyclical it's like uh my dad always talks about too it's where when automated calls to big banks and all that stuff became a thing Mm -hmm. everyone loved it i don't want to talk to stephanie i just want to get to blank Mm -hmm. and so it's an automated system where it's like Press one for this, press two. And everyone loved it at the beginning because it was Mm -hmm. so systematic. Mm -hmm. And then after people got so annoyed by it, now it's like, we actually have people. Yeah. We have people talk to you. And now everyone loves that. It's always like this. Exactly. Everything's cyclical. Yeah. And so you just have to be 
you have to be aware of what people want and be ahead of the trend because it's mm-hmm. like I don't want people from Bangladesh talking to me. I want I want it from America, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's so cool. It's from from Bangladesh. We're helping their economy. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. so back and forth and everything. Yeah, it's so always it's, changing, and you yeah. just kind of have to ride those waves. You have to. <laughs> the, uh, the this this is this is the true. I, I live my life by this quote: "Is there's no one true route to happiness, but there is one true route to unhappiness, and that is trying to make everyone else happy." And so, like, that's yeah. just a reality you deal with. It's some people are gonna be, oh my gosh, he's oh, he's making chatbots to. Oh, I mean, I'm not a person to him. Yeah, it's like I want to do. I want to be a. I want to really make drastic change, or I want to sell this product to a very large level, and that takes systems. Mm-hmm. It just does. Yeah. Like you can't do it all. So it's you have to create systems. You have to give and take on different levels. I think that's a great way to end the today's show on that Perfect. quote. So <laughs> uh if you want to learn more about David Roden, you can go check him out um D Rock, is it? Fit D Rock. Fit. Fit underscore D Rock. And that's right. pretty much all my social media platforms. Okay. And do you have a website? Yeah, uh so actually I just took it down. Um but my email is fitdrock at gmail dot com is an easy one to get connected with me mm-hmm. um, or through my social medias. And what kind of people should connect with you? Anyone. Anyone who if it, I wanna say more on the the mindset the the beliefs how to how to live more of a healthy happy and effective life um but if you have marketing questions um, i'm definitely available and Mm. i'm just here to help awesome well thank you guys for listening in to this has been the fluid digital marketing podcast